the Lord. All right. We don't have a lot of time, and I have a lot to say. So let's get into this right now. Open your Bibles to Proverbs 18.22. And again, we are starting our Family Matters series um, because Pastor and I really believe that family does matter. Our motto of the church is building God's kingdom one family at a time. Uh, we went into this pastoring knowing that we wanted to take care of not just the woman and the man individually, but also families because family really does matter. Can I get an amen? You know, it's, it's a fa family. Is a, it's a good thing to have family. So we want a healthy family. And uh, we're going to start by getting our families healthy with the wife. Proverbs 18.22, you all know it. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, just for who you are, Jesus. We love you, God. We would have nothing without you. And we just thank you and we praise you. God, in this world where it's so crazy and so, so chaotic, we are thankful, God, that we can lean on you and know that you have got everything in control, Father. That we can pray to you, that we can believe that you are God that changes things. And we thank you that you are our stability in an unstable world. And now, Father, I just ask that you bless families that are here, husbands and wives, future husbands, future wives. Let their ears be open and their hearts ready to receive from you. And let us forever be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say amen. So family matters to God. Tell your neighbor, my family matters. And tell your other neighbor, and so does yours. Praise the Lord. And we all know it's all about family. So we're going to start with the basics really quick um, about marriage. Now, pastor will be here Sunday, and we'll tag team together, and we'll do it all. So if I miss anything, women, don't worry. Our day is coming. And men, don't be getting excited because, you know, I'm just trying to help my ladies out tonight. For, okay, so praise the Lord. All right, so marriage, of course, is a formal union recognized by law in which a man and woman become husband and wife. We all agree on that, right? And a wife is defined as a woman acting in a specified capacity by using physical, emotional, and mental abilities. Again, a wife is a woman acting in specified cap uh, capacity using physical, and emotional, and mental ability. How many wives do I have in the house tonight? And how many of you would know that being a wife is tough? Right, okay? The most unfair job in the world is being a wife. I'm going to prove it in the word. Thank you for the one amen I got in the back. Yes, it's difficult. Now, before I go into this teaching, let's just recognize this. 2 Timothy 3.16 talks about that all scripture was given by the inspiration of God and is profitable by doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction for righteousness. In other words, the word of God is God-inspired for us to apply practices to our everyday life. That is principles work. Amen. So listen, we're going to go in the word and find out what it means to be a good thing. For if you're wondering how I came about this teaching, it was one day where a pastor always quotes it. Who finds a wife finds a good thing. And he quotes it. We're like, yeah, you know. And one day Jesus asked me, well, what's a good thing? And I'm like, well, it's just good. And he said, no, really go into that. Because recognize this, man doesn't call us a good thing. God says that we are a good thing. So if God says we're a good thing, we need to know what that actually means, all right? So a good thing means that you are favorable, you have favorable character, number one. Good also means that you're attractive. It means you're reliable and that you're skillful. So when the word of God says, or if you say it to yourself, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, what you're saying is, I have favorable character, I'm attractive, I'm reliable, and I'm skillful. Amen. So favorable character is where we're going to park a little bit today, favorable character, um, because I believe that's the first most important thing to really get into our spirit, into our minds of being a good wife, because we want to be good wives, right? 
We ain't, okay, over here, everywhere, just here? Should I, should I preach here? Okay, we want to be a good wife, all right? <laughs> Favorable character. Our character is the way we think, we feel, and how we respond to life. That's what our character, our character is shown by how we think, how we feel, and how we respond to life. Your character, however, is not made up of an occasional one bad decision. So before I go into this, I don't want you thinking I did that one bad thing a long time ago. That's not your character. You can have a oops. You can make a mistake. You can, we're all flawed, amen? That one bad thing you did, the wrong one thing, it's not your character. We just had a human moment, okay? A human moment is a tripped up, not a lifestyle. So you can still have character even if you messed up like I did. I'm about to tell myself, y'all, I'm embarrassed. I'm going to tell myself, oh, my gosh. Now, I prayed in the back. I said, God, I don't want to tell my story about today. <laughs> Pray. It's good to tell stories about three years ago, but this is a today story. Oh, Jesus, my heart is beating. <sighs> All right. So your pastor really made me mad last night. Yes, he, he did. He yelled at me for no reason. Now, wives, we hate that, right? Like, just raise your voice. Like, we're talking. What, what, are we ra what, what are we raising? I don't know. I just kept on cooking, making his sides. Thank you. I kept on cooking. <laughs> and so I asked him, I said, are you mad of something? And he's like, no. It was just his aggression in his voice. So I'm like, okay, really mad about it. Really mad. So upstairs in the bedroom, here he comes creeping in the bed. Y'all know what's about to happen. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. And I was like, no. He goes, well, are you not going to talk to me? No. Okay, well, I'm sorry. No words. Now, mind you, I'm a very quick to forgive person. I'm really, okay, no problem, babe. I understand. Very understanding. What you see with me is what you get. I'm almost like near perfect when it comes to this, right? <laughs> so this morning he wakes up. I'm still not talking. Anybody? Okay, maybe I had an overnight. I know the word says don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Whatever. But today... I woke up still mad. I woke up even madder. Amen. Because he was trying to act like nothing happened. You know how men do that? Like nothing happened? Like how can you forget nothing happened? So I'm still mad about it. I'm mad. I'm mad. And he's trying to talk to me. I'm not talking to him. So I found something to do. Any women with me? We could just find something to get me out the house and up and away. Praise the Lord. Okay? So I found something to do. I went ahead and did that. He's texting me. I'm ignoring him. He's trying to call me. I'm not answering. Oh, my gosh. So, I, so then, okay, I, in my wisdom, said, you know what, I'm not going to talk to him, but I'm going to text. And anybody really sent, like, lately a really nasty text, like a text that you feel bad about sending, but you send it? I mean, I, I, just, I sent a bad text. Not a good bad text, but a, a, yeah, I'm mad at you mad text. <laughs> and I, I just went off on pastor using the scriptures, praise the Lord. And... Um, <laughs> I sent him about eight scriptures, and I said, since you're a walking Bible, maybe you should study these. And, oh gosh, this is, see? So, yes, I did. Well, so, so I, I went to hit send, right? Feeling good about myself, okay? Because I'm mad, send. Two minutes later, I get a message on my phone with an exclamation part, point, it said, not delivered. 
So I'm like, how in the world? This is iPhone, Verizon. There's towers everywhere. How did this not get delivered? Like, this has never happened to me before. And then I'm like, not delivered, not delivered. And then I hear the Lord, not delivered. I'm like, oh, I'm not delivered. So I did what any reasonable woman would do. I sent it again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it went through that time. <laughs> and of course, your pastor answers back, I'm sorry, honey. Thank you for sending me the scriptures, which made me more mad because I was trying to have a, okay, pray, okay, pray for me. But now I realize I had that experience to help you all tonight. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so, so there's, but my point is, just I had a moment. That does not mean I have, I have not, I have unfavorable character. I just had an oops moment, okay? And we're fine. I'll call him after service and talk to him today. Okay, fine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you have an honest pastor? So, okay, favorable character. So it's not, thank you, thank you. Hey, praise the Lord. Yes, please make me feel better about myself. So your character is not made up on one bad decision or one bad text or one bad day, okay? That's not your character. Your character is a whole life of living, and you want it to be based on good thoughts, good feelings, and how you respond to life. So, so how is character developed? Character can actually be developed. You realize that if I did not know the character of God, I would have kept this battle continuing for weeks. Any woman like that in the house today where you can keep things going for a long time and you won't let it go, maybe maybe. You, you'll pretend it's gone, but you'll still have it in your head. If you don't do that anymore, it's because God's got a hold on your life, and God will speak to you and convict you and quickly correct you by sending you messages not delivered. Amen. So here it is. Character is developed by learning to control your thoughts. Please take notes on this, okay? Character is developed by learning how to control your thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, whatever are just, whatever are pure, lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The Bible, the principles of life, the Word tells us what we're supposed to be thinking of. But sometimes we as women allow those thoughts to be pushed aside by the reality of what we're going through. That we're struggling in our marriage, that we're having a hard time with the kids, that finances are not coming together, that you tried to pray for a couple weeks but it didn't work, okay? And you think about the negativity of life and not on the good things in your life. And the enemy loves to put it in your mind so we can develop strongholds. And a stronghold produces feelings would eventually land you into bondage. So a woman of God, as a wife, we've got to be very careful not to allow those thoughts to run in our mind and because the enemy never wants to have it in the, your mind for a moment. It's always there to take root into your mind, make a stronghold to keep you into bondage. They're formed by, strongholds are formed by listening to the devil more than your heavenly father. A stronghold is defined as a place that's fortified to protect against an attack or penetration. Now see this in the spiritual realm. If the enemy has your mind or has a stronghold in your mind, the enemy will try to keep that place that is fortified and cannot be penetrated by the word of God. That could be why, woman of God, if you're okay in some areas but you struggle in another in your thought life, that there's a stronghold that's been set there and the enemy has fortified it, meaning that he will allow you to not forgive and not to forget, to keep that bitterness going, to keep the memories going, to keep it running over and over and over of your, uh, in your mind. And before you know it, you are stuck in a place and you're miserable and you have no idea why. 
Two voices are always speaking to us, people of God. You know that. The enemy is coming to tell you, look what you did five years ago. You're a failure. You're a sinner. Look what you did. I can't believe you did that. And God the whole time is saying, wait, but you're a new creature in Christ. That's not who you are. But then the other voice is saying, oh, you messed up and you're no good. You'll never be any good. And this Jesus thing isn't working. But God is saying, listen, trust me. I've got you. I know you. Nothing shocks me about you. And you have to make a decision on what voice you're going to listen to. If I was a woman of God that was not delivered in the area of my thinking, I would not even be preaching before you because I would feel like I'm condemned, I'm not good enough, I'm a bad example, who am I to preach the word? But I know that God knows everything about me. He knows all my shortcomings, he knows my failures, he knows when I mess up, and I know he forgives me, and he loves me, and he called me. It doesn't change the way God looks at me because I made a mistake. It doesn't change the way God looks at you if you made a mistake. So to, to be a good wife, you got to get your mind right, okay? You have to think upon things that are good and pure and lovely. Yes, you messed up. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you went a little crazy. It's okay. God is not shocked. He knew it was coming. And he's allowed you to have a remedy by coming here tonight to hear this word and let you know, be encouraged in the name of Jesus. You know that we don't fight real weapons, that we fight spiritual weapons. And the enemy's lies will keep on trying to repeat in your mind. I'm telling you, woman of God, do not live there. Do, don't, stop telling yourself it's too hard, it's too difficult, you can't make it. That could be a stronghold in your life. Stop telling yourself that you'll always financially struggle. That could be a stronghold in your life. Tear that down and say, I am prosperous. I will live in prosperity. I have more than enough in Jesus' name. When you listen to your heavenly father, you listen to truth. And the truth of God's word will become a part of your life. And you will no longer be that struggling, up and down, unstable woman that you once were. Because you get it right real quick. You keep on going. You press toward the mark. You don't stop. You keep on coming to church. You keep on living for Jesus, all right? So that the first way a stronghold can be a good wife developed is by your mind. Get your mind right. Think upon the good things. If you have struggled with adultery, and I know how that feels. We'll get more to that in the weekend. But if adultery has occurred in your life, I know that's a painful thing. It's a hurtful thing. It, 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 God, God understands so much. He even permits divorce behind it because it's a crushing thing that happens to a relationship. But if you're trying to restore the relationship, you've really, it's, it's a mind battle. You realize that. It's a mind. Stop reliving the moment. Stop going back. You got to move forward, okay? So here, another way characters develop is by adding to your faith. It, adding to your faith. It, take great, it took great faith for you to give your life to Jesus. You realize that. We are all serving a God we cannot see. We, we, it's all by faith that we, hear, we worship a God we cannot see. But we just know without a shadow of doubt that God is real, that Jesus is his son, and that through him we enter into salvation. But we have to add to that faith, that faith that we took that step, we have to add to it. 2 Peter 1, 5, and 6 says that this, it says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness. So to that faith that it took you to say, Jesus is Lord of my life, now you don't just stop there. You add to it, woman of God, you add to it. Diligently, you put work and effort toward adding to your faith. And you have to add virtue, which is good moral behavior, according to the word of God. Behavior is a reaction to all circumstances. Meaning no matter what happens to you, we should still have some good moral behavior. Amen. 
And then knowledge, you add to that knowledge. And knowledge is defined as an acquaintance with facts, truths, experience, and principles acquired by persistent study and research. You will not have knowledge of the Word of God unless you're in the Word of God. So as you add to your faith, you're adding, okay, good behavior plus knowledge of the word, what the word says, what are the facts of the situation? Yes, I know that it's bad, but the fact is that God can take care of anything. Yes, I know fact is impossible, but my God takes care of the impossible. Yes, I know that it's a, a terrible, but my God still is a miracle worker. Those are facts versus faith, okay? And then you add to your knowledge self-control, meaning restraint over your feelings and actions. Woman of God, as a wife, as a mom, we got to restrain how we want to react. I'm going to tell you this right now. When pastor had his voice with me last night and all my kids were downstairs, I said nothing. I kept on cooking. I said not a word. 12, 15, 20 years ago, it would have been on and popping. And, I, and listen, I was so mad last night. Anybody get like hot and you're sweating? Like I was, like I was literally sweating all of a sudden I, because I restrained my voice. I had about four good comebacks too, y'all, but I kept them all down. <laughs> I kept them all away until today, praise the Lord. But, but in front of the kids, I restrained myself because I know as a woman, I don't need that kind of stuff to be around the family. So restrained, okay? And then I add to that perseverance, a steady course of action, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, and discouragement. We're to add perseverance to our faith. Once we give our lives to Jesus as a woman of God, we still have to persevere. No matter what happens, I'm going to church. No matter what occurs, I'm going to read the word. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to worship God. That's perseverance, okay? And then, of course, godliness is attached to that, conforming to the laws and the rules of God. So that happens after that great step of salvation. All of those elements should be constant added to our life. Here's a perfect example. Um, your husband are saved and your guys are going to church. It's a year of opportunity and abundance. Praise the Lord, right? And all of a sudden, he comes home, and of course, it's after he started tithing regularly. He comes home, lost his job. No job. Bad news. And it's amazing how as a wife, we have to take that on, and my God in heaven, because we as women, we just want stability. We showed up in the garden. It was already set. Amen. We didn't have to name nothing. Praise the Lord. That's why we like stability. We just like for it to be fixed, okay? And so here it is. Are you upset that he lost his job? Yes, you're upset. But your faith says God is still in control, okay? You, you want to react and cry and freak out, but, but virtue says I'm going to go ahead and pray about the situation, and I'm going to pray to God and ask him to intervene on what's happening, um, you remind yourself that nothing's impossible to God and that he'll make a way out of no way and that he will open a closed door and this is only temporary. And if God got Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego out, he can get us out. Come on, that's knowledge. Now you're applying the word of God to your situation. That's knowledge. And then you don't let your feelings drive you all out of control and you don't start planning on selling the house and moving to another state because of the money. You say, I'm going to hold this in. I'm going to go to God with my issues and not add to my husband's stress by showing him how stressed out I am. That's self-control. And then, of course, perseverance is this. You stay on course. Honey, I know you lost your job, but we're going to go to church. We're going to go and pray. We're going to get with the ministers. We're going to just believe God that he's going to open a door. And, you know, we're, the family, yes, daddy lost his job, but we're going to church. We're going to persevere. We're gonna, that is adding to your faith. And it's amazing how a woman can change the temperature of a situation in a moment by how we react and what we say. 
We can get bad news, and a woman of God, we were made to absorb it. I don't know how, I don't know why, but there's a way that we can say it's going to be all right. And everybody believes that. And you walk away thinking, oh, my God, how's this going to be? What in the world? But if you just say it's going to be okay, sometimes that's all that needs to be flowing through that house is your words of wisdom and of hope and of love and of joy and reminding people, listen, God got us through worse. It's going to be all right. We can make it in Jesus' name. Amen. Because why? You're a good thing. You're not a woman that freaks out and goes crazy and calls everybody to worry with you. You're a good thing and say, we're going to make it. In fact, stop telling people your business, woman of God. It's no one's business if he lost his job. Wow, he sure is home a lot. Yep, his schedule changed. You're not lying. <laughs> schedule change. <laughs> Another way you become a good thing is by guarding your heart. Now, woman of God, if you have a pen and paper or a computer, please write this down. Guarding your heart, our heart, our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. If you are like me and had an issue today, it was springing from the heart. The heart are where the issues live. Not your spirit, man, not even your soul. But this heart, women, we're heartfelt. We go by our heart. We like our heart to be touched. We love our heart. Listen, the heart is dangerous. Amen. Issues live in your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, the Bible says. Meaning that you have to make a wholehearted effort to keep your heart. You got to protect who you give it to. You got to protect who you expose it to. And you definitely have to protect what is speaking to your heart. Now, this is a way that you know your heart's not guarded because maybe you're like me and you're thinking you're doing okay, but here's some just checkpoints. Your heart may not be guarded if, if you just take time and listen what you say. It's amazing that if you as a wife listen to what you're saying in your house, you can see is your heart guarded or not. Um, Matthew 15, 18 through 20 says, but those things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemy. All that is from the heart. Let me break it down to you in the Message Bible that kind of relates to all of us in the room today because we're not all those listed nasty things we just read. But it could be this. The Message Bible says in 15, 18 through 20, it's from the heart that we vomit up evil arguments. I'll just stop right there. See, murder, no. Fornication, oh, we're married. Adultery, uh-uh, I never do that. Oh, but you could vomit up arguments. If you're a woman or a wife that likes to argue, and you just think it's fun to argue, or you just like to prove your point, or you just want to get your point across, and you're argumentative, your heart may not be guarded. You're being led by issues and not by real situations. Sometimes we just have to hold our peace, let the Lord fight our battles. Can I get an Amen. It's not always good to be right. It's not always good to have the last word. My God in heaven, I've been delivered, Jesus, of having the last word. Even if it's the last whisper. Can I get an amen? It could be a last thought. I'm going to win the battle, all right? But no, it's not always have the, you could just be always arguing, vomiting up evil arguments. Your heart may not be guarded. Here's another way you could tell if your heart's not guarded. By blaming the Lord for all your problems. Proverbs 19 and 3 says, the foolishness of man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. When things don't go your way, woman of God, and you thought you were doing all the right things, because it's amazing how we as women think that if we do one plus one, it equals two, but not in the kingdom of God. Amen. And the more you're with it, the more things really don't add up. Sometimes you just don't understand or know what in the world is going on. 
But if you're one that tend to blame God for the issue, it could be your heart is messed up, that you don't understand that God is not trying to put problems in your life, that God is not trying to disrupt your peace, that it's not God's fault with every little itty-bitty thing occurs. If your husband stops going to church with you all of a sudden, you can't blame God for that. He just decided to watch the game and not go. If you blame God on all your problems, then it could be blame. Blame is to say, God, you're responsible for this. You're responsible for this. Listen, we have an, we, there's an enemy that's out to destroy us and to conquer and devour and we'll do anything. And then here we are giving God, the, not the finger, Lord, forgive me, but pointing at God saying it's your fault when the enemy is the one that's tripping everybody up. If you're going to blame anybody, blame the enemy and remind him he's defeated. He has no power in Jesus' name and keep on moving forward, okay? But don't blame God for your problems. God's our problem solver. He's not the problem maker. Here's another way that our heart might not be guarded. By, by relying on our heart, making heartfelt decisions and not spirit-led decisions. I get afraid when women come to me and said, well, I'm going to follow my heart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right off a cliff. Because you never want to follow your heart. Please, the world says, follow your heart. Go with your heart. What does your heart say? What does your gut say? Which is another name for your heart. Please don't follow your heart. Please don't follow your heart. We've got to be spirit-led as women of God, okay? Spirit-led wives. Do not follow your heart. Um, Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our hearts can trick us into saying things and doing things and, and stirring up things that should not to be stirred up because it's heartfelt. And I know what it's like to want to get into something and maybe bring something up. Wrong time. You know it's the wrong time. Wrong everything. Everything's wrong about it, but you're being led by your heart. You just can't help yourself. No, no. How about this? Go back and say, Spirit of God, what would you have me to do? Lord, how would you have me handle this situation? Father, what is it that you want me to say? God, your spirit, and I guarantee you, the spirit of God always says, say nothing. Maybe that's just me. But every time I go to God and say, God, what should I say? The Lord's like, nothing. I guess, I guess I don't have much to say. Amen. But he's protecting me and probably your pastor too. Why is the heart deceitful above all? Because issues live there. Some translations say the heart is incurably sick and cannot be understood by own wisdom. Only the Lord God in us can change us and can make us be true spirit-led agents of God. Jeremiah 17.10 says, The Lord searched the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of their doings. God will search your heart, and he will see where the issue is lying at. And he can heal the issue if you give your heart to him. Another way you can tell if your heart's not guarded is by having unstable relationship with the Lord. If you're up and down, one, woman of God, if you, listen, as a wife, it's amazing that if the family's going to church, the wife typically is the one, kids, we're getting ready, we're going to go to church today. And guess what? Usually people leave churches because the wife. I, I've been pastoring now for 10 years. And I can say about 95% of the people that have left the church, not because they moved and not because something happened, you know, but, but or they, they, because they were angry. 95% of them, it was the wife that led it. It was a wife that didn't like what was going on. It was a wife that wanted things to change a certain way. It was a wife that didn't appreciate what was happening. It was a wife that thought people were rude. It was the wife that thought me and pastor changed. It was always the wife. And the husbands followed behind. Now, you know that's wrong. The husbands are supposed to lead and the wife follow. But that wife would get in front and nag and nag and complain and complain. And before you know it, they've led their families right out of church. Because the relationship with the Lord was unstable. 
Realize when people leave churches, it rarely has anything to do with people. It's spiritual battles going on. That the Lord is challenging them or maybe pushing them or maybe pulling away from certain things. And instead of getting that right with God, they blame what they can see, people. Here's another reason why people guard, or if, if, be careful that your hearts are guard, guarded. By taking a look at your inner circle. You know, pastor, I preach about that a lot. Who you run with the prophecy of your future, who you're around, because it really does matter. And once you give your life to Jesus Christ, your friends should change. Your desires of friends should change. Your choices of friends should change. There should, there should become a, a transformation should occur in your life. Um, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Just hanging around the wrong people can corrupt, make bad habits come. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they are in agreement? I'm a strong Amos 3.3 person. If someone's living a lifestyle contrary to God, and it's more than just trying to win them to Jesus, but it's actual relationship to where you don't want to challenge them or don't want to ask them to change, or basically, as Pastor would say, they set the temper of the relationship. There's something in that that you agree with, that you haven't yet wanted to let go just yet. So we have to be a good, a good wife. When you say I'm a good wife or I'm a good thing, that whoever finds me, I find a good thing, I, I ask you, is your character favorable? Are you able to do what the scriptures are telling us to do? That I can, look at, I can look at a situation and say, God, you know what? I'm going to wait and see what you would have to say with this. And it's amazing as women, we make decisions, hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions every single day. I wish we could write down and log and jot what we go through from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep. It's amazing, but they all need to be spirit-led, God help me in this area type decision. Um, being a good thing also means that you're attractive. Woman of God, you're beautiful. I'm going to say it again. You are beautiful. You, you, should, you should know you're beautiful. No, I shouldn't even have to. You should know within yourself. Not a stuck-up way, but you should be like, I'm pretty, got it going on. I'm all right. Amen. There, there's nothing wrong with having confidence in, now, arrogance, yes, but confidence, you should feel good about yourself. You should want to wear more than just a sweatshirt every day. Amen. You're attractive. You realize that you, you got to say attractive for your husband, okay? You got to know you're attractive. Before I go there, listen, attractive means self-worth, self-esteem, taking care of yourself, making yourself beautiful. These should all be part of your everyday life to the point that if he doesn't say you're pretty today, you should be okay because you know that you are right. Do like I do. Hey, you haven't told me I'm pretty lately. Oh, baby, you're beautiful. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I move on with my Some women want to wait to hear that. But when you're working with your husband and your pastor and your boss, you forget to say things. I'll say, hey, I think I look cute. He's like, you do. Amen. I'm okay. Because I've been married so long, I don't need, I don't, I'm not waiting for the compliment. I will compliment myself and see if he agrees. Amen. Yeah. Take care of yourself. You're beautiful. Psalm 139 and 41 says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This should be a scripture, woman of God, you should quote of yourself every single day. And don't wait till you're a certain weight or you're a certain size. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're not right in here, it doesn't matter what size you are. Doesn't matter. You could be a stick until I'm too big. No, you're little and you look weird. Amen. And so you got to tell yourself, because some people don't look right skinny. Amen. Some people look great. But you got to know. I am fearfully and wonderfully made right now, and as I go to the gym, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Always have that about yourself. 
Um, there's beautiful women all in the Bible. Sarah was noted as being beautiful in the book of Genesis. Rachel was seen as beautiful in the book of Genesis 29. Abigail in 1 Samuel 25, she was beautiful. Job's daughters were all beautiful according to Job 139 and 14. So God cares about beauty and therefore so should you. You should care about it. Um, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 7 says this. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if they do not obey the word, they without a word will be won by the conduct of their wives. And I'll go into that more on Sunday, okay? But here's the second verse. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of your heart, the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is a precious sight of the Lord. That's beautiful and wonderful, but I want to key in this part. Don't let your outward be the only thing. It doesn't say don't let it be at all. Some people would take that scripture and be like, okay, that means no weave, no makeup, no fake nails. No, the devil is a lie. Now, come on, y'all. <laughs> it just, don't, it, it's okay, but don't let that be the only thing you're focused on. But you should still look nice. You should still look beautiful. How about this? You get ready for work, right? How, do you ever get ready for bed? Okay, you're married. We get ready for work. We will do what we can because we want to look presentable. But some of us as wives, because we've been married so long, we don't even get ready for bed. We get home. We just take off whatever, put on whatever, take the makeup off, put the hair up or off, depending on your situation. <laughs> Forget about a shower because, you know, I'm tired. I'm with the kids all day. And just roll up in the bed, just all kind of ways. Praise the Lord. And your husband, who is visual, well, again, pastor's not here, and so, but, and men are here, but women, husbands are visual creatures. Why do you think there's hardly, okay, you know centerfolds down the street? We don't see a lot of centerfolds for men. Can I get an amen? Okay, you, centerfolds is a strip club. There's not a lot of strip men clubs. There, there may be a review in town. men are visual. They like to see all that. And don't worry about what size I am. Believe me, they like things that shake. That's what they're doing. They're shaking. They're not still. It's all moving. <laughs> There's a man giving a big hand praise in the back. But you're married. And sometimes we go, oh, I don't want the lights on because I'm moving. And they like the, it jiggles. What do you think twerking is? Some of y'all done that for years, didn't even know it had a name. <laughs> but we have to be attractive. Get ready, wife, get ready for bed. Brush your teeth before you go to bed. Listerine, let it be your friend. Take a shower, put on some night, you know, some spray stuff. It doesn't mean nothing has to happen, but just in case. You get the friendly knock on the thigh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you, you're, you're ready to go. 
Or if you're at home all day and your husband's out, why not be attractive for him when he gets home? Men care about how you look. I don't care how long you've been married. They care about how you look. They might not say it and they're like, oh, you're fine, but just try it one day and look a little decent. And he might be like, where are you going? Oh, nowhere. This is all for you. Oh, okay. Believe me, it works. I'd give more tips, but there's men in the room. All right. So here it is. <laughs> what did he say? No, no, no. Not without pastor here. If he's here, I'd feel safe, but no, no, no. Okay, so, so be, be attractive. Look good. Smell good. You know, it's amazing how men, you know what they like? They like women to smell like cake. I'm serious. If, if, I'm, I'm not kidding. That is the top smelling scent of a woman. If you just get some vanilla, like lotion from Victoria's Secret, and you smell like a big vanilla cake, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. But it's true. Just find some vanilla something, like a, like a cupcake. All right. Because here's the deal. The enemy's coming in marriages because churches won't talk about stuff like this, and they make it bad and that it's nasty, but then they're out there looking at the nasty women at work that have no problem being that, and then they come home to you with the Bible and rollers in your hair. And so you have to just think, okay, I've got to be wise. I've got to be a wise woman, a wise wife. I want to keep my marriage. I want to be happy. I want my man happy. So let me just go ahead and take care of myself and, and let it be. I want him to have a memory of when he comes home. I want him to think about me when he's there. Right? I want him to be like, man, that's cute, but my wife is way cuter. And it's legal and fun access. There's no sin attached, okay? All right, so, so be attractive. Love yourself. And, and listen, don't ever expect him to love you more than you love you. You have to, you, if you don't love you, you you'll never receive, because you don't even receive love for yourself. So he can say, I love you, and do it won't work. You'll always think it's not enough. You got to love you first. Again, love who you are and where you are. And if you're not happy, you can change. You can add, you can deduct, you can make yourself if whatever you want to do. Praise the Lord. Okay, here it is. Know you're attractive. A good thing. Also be that you're rel reliable. Women, wives, we should be reliable. Why do you think it is that your husband asks, where are my green socks? Is that just my husband? Okay, he'll be right in the bathroom with sink and all the supplies. Hey, where's the toothpaste? It's, it's right here. But he will say, where's the toothpaste? And I have to say, here it is. Um, where's the newspaper? And where you always leave it, sir, on the side of your bed, on the dresser. It, but, but the reason why they ask you that is because you're reliable. And if you look at the mind of, it's not that he's trying to bother me, but he relies on me to know where things are, to know where the underwear is, to know if you pack the stuff for the, for the suitcase. We took a trip to Seattle, and he said, don't pack my bag, I got it. And you know when we got to Seattle, he asked me about where 45 things were. Though he said he would pack his own bag. Amen. <laughs> reliable. Next thing, skillful. Being a good thing, you have to be skillful. We have the experience, the understanding, and the discernment. Experience, understanding, and discernment. I'm big about this. Wife, you should know what's going on in your house. It shouldn't be a mystery. You should be able to know by the Holy Spirit what is going on in my house. See, so I mean, come on. We got connect, direct connect. I've told my kids for years, I speak to the Lord. He speaks to me. I've got direct access. You can't do anything for too long. You're going to get caught. I, he, God will expose you in a heartbeat. 
And my poor son Isaac has to learn that this year. He learned, he learned so quick. Listen, I, I know this is going on to children, but this is the whole point. I pray, God, protect my children, and if they're doing something wrong, expose them. And so I told Isaac, listen, you're up to something. I don't know what it is, but you're up to something. And I have a connect, Holy Ghost, connect, and I will find out in a moment what you're doing. And so a week goes by, and we get a phone call in the middle of the day that um, the secretary from the school called and said, hey, Mr. Steele, I'm just calling because um, you just called in a few minutes ago and excused um, Isaac from school today. And I said, okay, no, Isaac picked up the phone and tried to talk like his dad and excused himself for school for the whole day. Now, do y'all hear pastor's voice? His voice is pretty distinguishable. He's on TV, on the radio, and he's going to try to pretend that he's my husband. And, of course, the secretary knew better and called us to confirm it was not him. And, of course, we took right up to that school, found him in the parking lot, busted him. I said, Isaac, I'm telling you, I'm the Holy Spirit, you cannot get away with anything because there's a prayer on your life that whatever you try to do, it will come back. Amen. So that's just being discernment. I said it. You're up to something. I don't know what. You can even ask your husband, are you all right? Are things okay? I'm just not feeling right about it. Can we pray? It's just the discernment, okay? Here, I'm going to end it with this. And I have like probably 45 minutes to go, but I, we don't have time because we got to go home and catch the empire. So here it is. Proverbs 31 and 10. <sighs> I try not to watch it this year, y'all, but it's just. Ugh. Proverbs 31 and 10. It says this. And I'm reading the Message Bible. Remember I started with the whole thing that the, being a wife is the hardest job in the world? And the, the men chuckled. <laughs> Here, Proverbs 31.10, Message. A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generous, generously all her life. She shops. I'm sorry, in my mind, I always pause there just for a moment. Yes, God, I, I'm obedient, Father. <laughs> All right, let's go back. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. What? Okay. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. Oh, okay, sometimes. She, <laughs> she's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then, with the money she's put aside, she plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in crafts of her home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and skills, and, yeah, and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates in the city with fathers. She designs her own gowns and sells them. She brings a sweater she knits to the dress shop. Her clothes are well-made and elegant. Okay. And she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect her and bless her. Her husband join her in words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is this woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves festoon her life with praises or decorate her life with praises. And that's what it says about the wife in the Bible. 
And my question to the Lord when I get to heaven, when I'm 100, is, God, where was the man's list? Did you just forget that? Or whoever revised it, did they omit that? Because it seems like there's a lot we have to do. And the truth of it is, we're expected, woman of God. As a wife, we are expected. And maybe not to do all that. I don't sew. I don't knit. I have no desire to ever sew anything ever. In fact, if pastor needs a button, he goes to my mother, who will sew the button on. Praise the Lord. But I have no desire to do any of this. But guess what? The Word of God still says that we're good, that we have favorable character, and that we're attractive, and that we're reliable, and that we're skillful in whatever capacity. And God, his Holy Spirit, can allow that to be developed and birthed in us. That we might not fulfill these job qualifications, but we can be the best we can for our family and for what our family needs and for what we can provide for our family today. Amen? Were you guys blessed by this teaching? All right. Give the Lord a hand praise. All the women up, please. All the women up. I'm going to pray for the women in the house. And if you're a wife or want to be a wife or hope to be a wife or were a wife and would like to be a wife again. And I know some people have no desire to be a wife again. That's fine. Praise the Lord. You are, listen, you are good all by yourself. Praise the Lord. That's, that's the reality. But if you have a desire to be a wife or become one, just hold your hand up because we're going to pray right now. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for these women that are here. All these women, God, that are surrendering themselves to you. Jesus, thank you, Lord that you have such a way to touch my life, that you allow me to be vulnerable before your women, saying, no, I'm not perfect, Jesus, but that Jesus in me is perfect. And Father, allow that same grace to be poured out to your women right now. God, you know the challenges we face, the heartache we have, the letdown, the disappointment, the stress, the pressure. God, you know what we go through in a day, Jesus, but yet you still allow us to wake up with a smile to wake us with the joy of the Lord, to give us encouragement, Jesus, to keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Father, help us to be good wives, God, not just to our husbands, but before our children. And let us be examples to those in the world that do not know you, that we can still say that, God, your family is good, it's created, and it can be a blessed family, Jesus. And Father, I thank you that if there's any broken hearts in here today, that they be healed in the name of Jesus. God, you know every detail of every woman, of every life in this room. Maybe divorce has crushed them. Maybe abuse relationships have hurt them. God, heal them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, allow them, though they've sown in tears, God, allow them to have joy. And we thank you and praise you that we know without you we can do nothing, but in you we can do everything. And I thank you, God, that we will all, me included, become the good wife you've destined and designed us to be. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Let's all say amen. Amen. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus.